Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Voice of X. Um, it's the we just uh, the Monday before Christmas, and um, just want to give a couple of quick updates here. Uh, first and foremost, well, I'm not even first and foremost, but um, if you guys are not following me on um, on social media, I really appreciate it if you went over there and and follow me there. There's a, I have a few options that you could uh, that you could use. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, then which a lot of people are, I. I I've gotten put in Twitter jail a couple of times, but nothing serious. Um, but you can follow me there at voice underscore of X. Um, I'm on Getter, which is G-E-T-T-R. I really like that one better than Twitter. I'm also on Parler, and I'm on Gab. And all of those, my handle is at the voice of X, all one word. So uh, please go over there and follow me there. Uh, as I said, we're, we're coming up on Christmas, and uh, I'm really excited. I love this time of year. And... Um, I was going to, I know I said I was going to give you guys a review um, on the Spider-Man movie, um, Spider-Man No Way Home, but I don't want to give it yet. I did see it. I just saw it Saturday, and I will tell you I liked it, but there's going to be spoilers in it. Since it just came out, I, I know you can go online and, and see stuff, and there's a lot of spoilers, um, but I don't really want to ruin it for anybody who's tuning in and hasn't seen it, so I'm going to give you an extra week to go ahead and see it. Instead, what I'm going to do with Christmas coming up, in the first season, my last, uh, the first season of this podcast, I did a brief history of uh, of Christmas, the origins of Christmas, and I'm going to go ahead and, and re-air that one for this week. Understand though, in that podcast, I say I won't have a podcast um, the week the the, the um, right after Christmas because I was taking time off. That's not going to be the case. I will have a podcast a week from today. So, um, but I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I, I want to say thank you for tuning in. If you guys are tuning in, the audience has grown a little bit, and I really appreciate it. I'm really just a nobody um, with just an opinion and feel like there's not enough, of, especially from my own generation, that get involved in this and get involved in, in real life and in politics and really just and are just vocal about how things need to be done. We, we let the other side be very vocal and be the squeaky wheel, and we always just sit around and work and, and let things go. And so uh, I really think it's time that we stand up, and I appreciate you guys listening in, and I hope it inspires you to go out and talk and speak up and, and voice your opinion as well. So uh, without any further ado, I leave you with uh, Brief Origins of Christmas, and I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas, and we'll be doing the Spider-Man review next podcast. Thanks a lot. See you later. Welcome back to another Voice of X. Um, hope you guys enjoyed last week's podcast. Um, this week, uh, we're actually the podcast is going to be a little shorter than usual. Again, remember I don't have a really set time for these podcasts, but they've been running between thirty and fifty minutes. Um, this week may not even be that long. Not sure yet. Uh, but with Christmas approaching, I'm getting pretty busy. I'm sure you are too. Uh, so, and just to let you know, just like the week of Thanksgiving, I'll be taking that week off. So there will be a podcast next week, but there will be one the week after Christmas. So go ahead and tune back in at that time. Now, uh, this week, I thought with Christmas coming up here that I'd give a brief history of the origins of Christmas. Maybe even a history into some of the traditions of Christmas. And again, all in the spirit of just critical thinking. Uh, you're going to see in the next podcast or two, what I'm really trying to lay down in these early podcasts is a foundation of critical thinking. All right. I mean, it's not always just about the, about, it's about reason and seeing the world for what it is. We seem to have a problem really looking and seeing the world and things around us 
seeing the whole picture. So I'm really trying to get, even with fun things like Thanksgiving and this one on Christmas, still trying to get people to look at things objectively. Subjectively is fine. It's okay to have feelings about things and to prefer one thing over another. But it's important to also be able to weigh facts, build proofs, and come up with true plausibility. But to do that, we have to have an accurate view of the world that's not so much tainted by our emotions and our feelings all the time. So just as a running theme here, that's kind of what I'm pushing towards in the next couple of podcasts after this. We'll really lay a little bit more heavily into that before we start moving into some of the topics that I really want to talk about in today's pop culture, okay? Um, So this week, like I said, brief history of Christmas and some of its origins, um, or the origins of some of its traditions. So uh, basically, if you ask somebody uh, what the meaning of Christmas is, likely they're going to tell you that it's a holiday celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think most people who are familiar with Christmas, at least in the Western world, are familiar with that fact whether or not they're Christians. Um, And most of them celebrate Christmas, whether or not they're Christians. It's just, look, the United States is, we are, are, we're built on, um, our foundations are, have the roots in Christianity. And so, yeah, these things are important to us. And historically, we've had that standard built upon um, the scriptures. So, uh, so this week, we like to just kind of go into that a little bit again. So, what is it? It's the birth of Christ, and that's what we're celebrating at that time. Now, originally, though, um, this holiday was not actually practiced in the early church. You might be surprised to find that out. Um, in fact, the holiday didn't come around until around 440 um, AD. So it was well into church history before it was celebrated. You see, there a lot of it came about because there was this Roman holiday called Saturnalia. And it occurred around the time of the winter solstice, um, which would be the shortest day of the year or a day with the least amount of daylight, meaning from that day forward, the days would grow longer because in that hemisphere, the earth was beginning the, um, the part of its orbit when the angle of the earth was turning back towards the sun. Um, I'm sure you know all of this. But anyway, uh, Saturnalia was a Roman pagan holiday that had been adopted from the Babylonians. As if you look into a lot of these um, occultic practices, you'll find that a lot of them have their roots in Babylonian customs and practices. Uh, but in this Babylonian holiday, the sun god was worshipped as the days henceforth uh, from the solstice would become longer. So in the legend uh, equated with this holiday, Saturnalia, Tammuz, uh, the son of Nimrod, you'll know him from the um, uh, Tower of Babel, uh, in the Bible, but the Tammuz, the son of Nimrod, he dies during the winter solstice, and his death is memorialized by burning a log in the fireplace, also known as a Yule hug. Yeah, Yule is the Chaldean word for infant, so they memorialized his death by burning an infant log in the fireplace. Tammuz's rebirth with the sun, and the sun, the days growing longer, is then celebrated replacing the burned up Yule log with a decorated tree the next morning. So you kind of start to see the similarities there, right? Now, of course, there are some other traditions that appear with the, with the Christmas tree. Um, this is These are things that are built on over the centuries. Martin Luther is credited with placing the first lights on a tree. Uh, the tradition has um, been built quite a bit over the centuries, but you can see the beginning of the tradition of the Christmas tree. Another one you might be familiar with is mistletoe. Um, now, mistletoe, um, well, you know, it's, it's something you're, you're probably familiar with, and, and you can credit it with getting a little holiday smooch from maybe somebody you like. Uh, although in today's culture, uh, it's probably a, 
a little ridiculously taboo, who knows, I don't know. Anyway, mistletoe is an old English word that means roughly dung twig. Uh, yeah, so poop twig or poop stick, a dung twig. And it has this name because the seeds from this parasitic plant, the mistletoe plant, they pass through the digestive tracts of birds and they're planted on the branches of trees through obvious means. Uh, but how did it lead to kissing underneath it? Uh, you might not want to be underneath it if it's that's where it's coming from in the trees, but hanging over a doorway, um, you know, there's many legends of it from Norse, Celtic, Greek, and other traditions. But again, it can be traced even further back to the Babylonian practices, who had the closest tradition to our own of kissing under the mistletoe. In ancient Babylon, single women looking for a husband would stand outside the temple of the goddess of love, where a plant similar to mistletoe was hung overhead. When a potential suitor would approach, he would bond with his new mate in some way. I'm not exactly sure how, but since kissing was not a way to show affection in ancient times, um, he, would, he would bond with his new mate and show their affection, and that's where a lot of it had its start. Then in the 18th century in Britain, this tradition evolved into the kissing tradition we have today. In Britain, it became the tradition to create a ball of mistletoe and hang it as a Christmas decoration. The mistletoe has little berries on it as well, and if a couple was standing under it, they were obliged to kiss. The mistletoe, but only if the mistletoe had berries on it. And for each kiss, one berry was removed from the mistletoe. Once the berries were gone, uh, the luck it brought, that was gone as well. Anyway, um, to combat, I, I, I was straying there on just a couple of side topics, um, but back to the history of uh, Christmas and um, Saturnalia, uh, the, to combat and get rid of the pagan holiday of Saturnalia, the Roman Catholic Church declared December 25th to be a day to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Examining the birth of Christ um, creates some other uh, questions. Uh, I mean, was Christ born on December 25th? Um, we have this, this vision of three wise men showing up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh that speak of his, his um, kingship and his, his, as well as his death. And, and, but, but who were these three wise men, you know? And, so, first of all, we don't actually know the date of Jesus' birth because the Bible doesn't explicitly state the date. And the early church didn't celebrate it, so no date was preserved. But it's widely accepted, in general, as around 4 BC. Now, of course, this is roughly based, and they get this number of 4 BC, based on some incorrect conclusions by historian Josephus, who made some incorrect conclusions about when a, uh, uh, an eclipse had happened. So it appears that that may not actually be quite accurate. Tertullian was another historian put his birth 28 years after the death of Cleopatra, and he also states that Augustus, Caesar Augustus, began his rule 41 years before the birth of Jesus and died 15 years after the birth of Jesus. Now, Augustus died in 14 AD. Since Augustus began his reign in the autumn of 43 BC, then that would put Jesus' birth around 2 BC, which also coincides with being about 28 years after the death of Cleopatra. So, uh, also by doing some calculations, um, if you look at the Bible, about what we know about, the jo about John the Baptist's birth and his father, who uh, was uh, served in the temple, we can also determine a birth year of around 2 BC. So it kind of correlates. Uh, for more information, I'd really recommend going to khouse.org. Uh, just look up... Um, birth of Christ or Christmas, they provide a lot of um, in-depth 
information, a lot more data and some references that I don't have, that I'm not going to provide here just for the sake of keeping this a little more brief. So khouse.org, that's K-H-O-U-S-E.org. Anyway, these calculations, they put the birth of Christ in about September, October timeframe of 2 BC. So the December date, probably not correct. Um, but anyway, I digress. You know, they, they didn't do this, but they did it specifically to try and battle this pagan holiday of Saturnalia. That's why they use that date. But it's a celebration, so it doesn't really make a difference. Um, it's a celebration simply of his birth, whether we do it on the day he was born or we do it on another month, that's okay. So anyway, um, back to some of these ideas we have. What about the three wise men that we always see in the nativity scenes? And there's even a song um, about them. You've also heard them called the three kings, we three kings. Uh, well, most of what we know of them is from the early church traditions. Now, we assume that we're, there were three of them based on the three gifts that they brought Jesus. But the Bible doesn't actually number them. But they are called Magi. Now, over the years, their identity has been pretty embellished. They've been named Balthazar, King of Arabia, Melchor of Persia, and Kaspar of India. And this was more in the Armenian tradition and seems to have kind of been adopted some of the Catholic traditions. Um, some have actually even associated these three wise men with the three sons of Noah, Shem, um, Ham, and Japheth. But these are just traditions. There's really no, there's no information, there's no data. We don't have anything written down that says there were three of them and th these were their names. But we, what we do know is that they are called Magi. And the Magi were a very specific class of people. The Magi were priests from Mede. Um, now, the Medes are what we know today as the modern-day Kurds. Darius the Great of Persia, he placed these priests in charge of the Persian state religion, and they were also associated with the Median courts. So as a result, they served as both political and religious leaders. They were head of the religion, the state religion, and they ran the court system. So one other thing we also know from the Bible is that Daniel, from the Old Testament, uh, he was given the name of Rab Mag, or Rab Maj, chief of the Magi. Now, reading the Old Testament, we see Daniel placed as head of the Persian priesthood. Of those, He was head of the Magi. And this, subsequently, by the way, is what led to Daniel being thrown into the lion's den because they didn't like this Jew being placed in authority over them. So they were out to get him as soon as that happened. Um, I recommend going to the book of Daniel and reading it. It's believed that Daniel provided the messianic prophecy announced by a, uh, by a star of Jesus Christ's birth, of the Messiah's birth. Uh, Christ, by the way, Christos just is the, uh, the Greek term for, for Savior. Messiah and Christ are, are interchangeable. Mashiach is the, the, the Hebrew uh, title. So um, he gave, uh, Daniel gave the prophecy, uh, the messianic prophecy, announcing Christ's birth through the, the, this um, appearance of a star in the sky. The Magi, continuing to be a religious and political authority uh, for a long time, they, were, they, they held on through the Seleucid, uh, Parthian, Sasanian periods um, of rule in Persia. And so these guys would have known the prophecy. All right, It was passed down. And, and what people don't understand is these... these, these in religion, especially in the past, in the Middle East, they methodically kept track of these things, of the writings, of the scriptures. That's why even today, people have talked about the Bible being inaccurate, but 
the Dead Sea Scrolls were found and pro proved that today's scriptures are virtually unchanged from the time that they were originally written. So they were very accurate about this. They, they, they took these things very, very seriously. I know it's hard in today's day and age where everything's kind of flipped, but they took these things very seriously, keeping track of history, keeping track of religion. These were very important things to these people, okay? So when they arrived in Jerusalem, they saw the star appear in the sky and they began to travel towards it. When they arrived in Jerusalem, they likely did not show up as just three travelers. But they probably would have come with a large entourage and even a military escort because to traverse the wilderness and the deserts in that day was dangerous. It was full of robbers and thieves and murderers. So they would have come with a large, a large group of people, soldiers more than likely, um, again, the Magi were heads, heads of state. They were heads of the priesthood. They were heads of the, the courts. So they had a lot of power, a lot of authority. Anyway, this would have definitely caught the attention of Herod the Great. And you probably know the rest of the story about Herod. Herod asked the Magi to tell them when they found the Christ child and where he was so that he could worship him as well. Well, this was a lie. Uh, and Herod actually wanted to eliminate any threat to his rule. Herod, Herod is not actually... A Jew. He's an Edomite. Um, now the Romans don't really see a difference between the two because they're all sons of Abraham, right? But um, but no, he he was he was an Edomite, and he jealously guarded his rule, um, and he did not want to see anybody else threaten that rule. So so him asking them to do this and saying he wanted to worship was a complete and utter lie. Uh, and the Magi were warned in a dream not to report back to Herod. And Herod, in his anger about being deceived by the Magi and in desperation to protect his throne, had all the male infants, two years and younger, slaughtered. Now, these are just some clarifications of some traditions that have been embellished over the centuries. Although these traditions, they had sometimes pagan origins, um, the Christmas tree, the Yule log. They've been added to and turned into something far more joyous, guys. So let's fast forward to the United States of America. Okay, in, I'm sorry, in 1659, the Puritan government of the Massachusetts Bay Colony, they actually outlawed Christmas. So anyone, and this is their words, anyone, anyone found observing any such day as Christmas or the like, either by forbearing of labor, feasting, or any other way, upon such accountants as aforesaid, every person so offending shall pay of every such offense five shillings as a fine to the county. <laughs> now, like my accent there. Why'd they do this? Well, it wasn't just Christmas, but holidays in general um, that, that were outlawed, but especially Christmas because they felt that it overall, it distracted from their religious discipline. Not to mention, they didn't care for some of the loose pagan traditions that accompanied the holiday. And therefore, it was really kind of tantamount to idolatry to these early Puritans. Now, as Puritanism began to fall out of favor in the U.S., um, things began to change. All right, and by 1840, Christmas as a holiday was pretty widely accepted. Now, it was already spreading like wildfire before that. But by the mid-1800s, you, really you really started seeing it take off. And it was actually declared a national holiday on June 26, 1870. Like I said, you actually have Christmas songs that go back to the 1700s. But, but it really, and so Christmas had been going on for a while, obviously for a long period of time here since 440 AD, right? But... Um, it really took off the United States in the mid-1800s. Like I said, it became a national holiday in 1870. And this was still, by the way, very much a Christian holiday. 
listen to some of the old uh, Christmas music, very um, praises the Lord, praises his birth, very hymn-like, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. However, after this time, Christmas began to go through a transformation and it began this reinvention into the more moderate holiday we have today. Um, and by moderate, I mean it's just not, it doesn't have the same religious flavor that it once had. Early writers such as Charles Dickens and Washington Irving over here in the United States had an influence on our idea of Christmas time being a time of caring for the poor, spending time together as a family, and of general just uh, of, of, of good tidings. Now, Americans looked to the scripture and they found inspiration in the angels declaring the birth of Christ to the shepherds in the fields, uh, declaring peace on earth, goodwill toward men. They collected Christmas traditions from around the world, not surprising since the United States, especially in its early years, was a virtual melting pot of traditions, not cultures. Cultures were left back in their country. There's three different things. There's culture, heritage, and tradition. We have an American culture. I don't want to segue on this, but they did bring a lot of their traditions and their ideas, not ideals, but their ideas with them. And those blended into the United States. That's why we have a very unique American culture. So they brought a lot of their traditions from their countries and brought those here. Thus, continue, and this, this, these um, ideas being brought in for the holiday really helped continue that tradition of gift giving and emphasizing the gathering of families. Now, moving on, what you, a lot of, obviously, we think of Christmas, we think of the birth of Christ. Who's the other person you think of? If you said Santa Claus, you're right. Now, you'd be surprised, Santa Claus also, who, we, who he came from, Saint Nicholas, also Christian origins, all right? He was a saint, uh, made a saint by the Catholic Church, but the person of Santa Claus has his origins in the real man named Nicholas who became a saint later on, St. Nicholas. And he was born around 280 AD in present-day Turkey. Now, he reportedly used his inheritance. He had a, came from a wealthy family. His parents died. He used his inheritance to help the poor and the sick and later served as a bishop. His heart really went out to, to the people, the, the impoverished people and the people with illnesses. So he used that inheritance to really try and help them out. And he reportedly, um, I'm sorry, there, there's... There's many stories attributed to St. Nicholas um, of him giving gifts to children and helping out. But uh, the Dutch, they actually continued to celebrate the feast day of St. Nicholas, which was on December 6th. And even after Christmas came about, they, um, they continued to celebrate that day. And it was common practice for Dutch children to put out their shoes the night before. I don't know if they were wooden shoes or not. It's just what I read was shoes. But they would put their shoes out the night before on Christmas Eve or December 5th. They were celebrating um, uh, the feast day of St. Nicholas, so December 5th. Uh, they would put their shoes out the night before, and in the morning they would find them filled with gifts left by St. Nicholas. Beginning to sound a little familiar as we move towards our modern-day Santa Claus. Well, the Dutch brought these traditions, and the legend of St. Nicholas, who in Dutch was called Sinterklaas, and sorry, um, some of the movies who put him as Norwegian or Russian cartoons or whatever, covered with tattoos. It was Dutch, and the Dutch he was called Sinterklaas, and they brought him to America in the 1700s. Now, Santa Claus went through many iterations and changes, and by the mid-1800s, he began to appear in advertisements. Coca-Cola, as a matter of fact, is often attributed with the modern look of Santa, but upon doing some research, really... Um, 
That's not true. They're not solely responsible for it. It was kind of this conglomerate of influences over the decades that gave us our modern day Santa Claus and what he looks like in the red suit, the reindeer and everything else. Um, but one thing that has never changed about Christmas is the spirit of giving. And the fact that this holiday is truly about the birth of Jesus Christ. His name is in the holiday, guys. Christ Mass. Christmas. That's where the name comes from. I know that a lot of traditions may have some strange beginnings, um, going back to Babylon, and but they no longer carry those meanings. And Christmas is still very much a Christian holiday. And yes, the United States, regardless of what anybody tries to argue, was founded on Christian principles. You can read it. You can you can read about it. You can you can read the writings of the framers and the and the early founders. It was our country was founded on Christian principles, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it continues to be the country with the largest Christian population to this day. We have more Christians in the United States than any other country. I think followed by Brazil and Mexico. But we still are a Christian nation, at least for now. This Christmas, guys. I encourage you to stop giving in to the over-commercialization um, of this wonderful holiday. Stop, stop believing everything you see on TV or read on the internet. Start thinking for yourself. Start looking. Start thinking critically. You know, the Bible, the Bible admonishes us to do such things. Don't just believe. Don't just believe. The Bereans, when Paul taught them the Word of God, they went home. And he commends them for this. They went home that, that evening and they looked in the scripture to see if what he said was true. Yeah, you need to look at, don't just, even when you go to church, your pastor says something, you guys come home, open your Bible, read it for yourself. It's there, written, black and white and red. And we know it hasn't changed since the day it was written. We have proof of that. Stop living your life and having your whole outlook based upon sound bites on the internet and on television. Be intelligent, guys. All right, so this Christmas, I, I really want you to, to give over to that. I don't even know how to put it anymore, but guys, even if you're not a Christian, it, it, it's not asking too much to care about your neighbor, to respect your neighbor, to care about your family, spend time with your family. All right, it's not about the presence. It's not about the tree. It's all about the fact that the creator of the universe so loved the world that he sent his only son to pay the price for our sins. And that's really what we're celebrating. Now, like I said, whether you want to accept Christ as your savior or not, I encourage you to do so. But that's up to you. In fact, this idea of choice is a very Christian concept. But it's really not too much to ask again that in the spirit of Christmas, you just love your neighbor, love your family. Stop saying happy holidays. Hey, if you have a Jewish neighbor, by all means, wish him a happy Hanukkah. But don't be ashamed to say Merry Christmas either. I know I'm not. Hope you learned a little bit of something today. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to Voice of X. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. <laughs>